Small production note before we get started, Eric was calling into the pod today, so you'll hear a slightly different audio. Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Prince, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing to help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So how does it feel to get out on an MLB mound with people in the stadium? Honestly, very scary. Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about, about a first pitch that you threw out last week at a literal Twins game. At a Twins game. Yes, I threw out a first pitch at a Twins game. I threw a ball to TC Bear that was about as close to the plate as, um, well, some pitchers who I've owned this year. <laughs> How how hard did you throw? Not hard. Okay, so this the strategy was get some. I mean, I think the smart strategy for a first pitch is put some arc on it. I mean, it was not. It was a toss. I I tossed yeah. a ball to to first base. It was not a pitch. Uh, I also did not stand on the rubber because I started going up the mound and I was like, nope, no, 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 no. This is I I don't. I was not a I was not a pitcher back in the day. This is not. This is gonna only end in disaster. They don't. They don't offer you like the opportunity to go out to a local high school first and get on a real mound for just a second. Well, I mean, I could have if I had given had been given more warning. Well, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I probably would have. But we're talking about a Twins stadium in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. And a losing year, so it's not like it was a crowded stadium and a day game. Yeah. Yeah. There must must be really tight timing. It was so like kind of rushed that I. I did. I mean, I wasn't really able to like get someone to take a, a good picture. So hopefully, I know that there was a camera trained on me as I was taking the pitch. I was pretty bummed that it didn't show up anywhere. Well, I actually say I should say that I wasn't bummed in in the moment because I figured they would have said something if it had gone horribly awry. <laughs> you know? Like, oh no, you would have seen it. That's the, that's the, <laughs> yeah, that's, exactly. That's the piece is like I, I would have ended up somewhere if I had if I had thrown it to like first base. Exactly. So I, I felt in the immediately a little bit more reassured that like, okay, well, it couldn't have been a total disaster. Yeah, I mean, I cool experience. You yeah, know, congratulations. I, it's so cool. Um, should we talk about Taylor Taylor Gilbert's no hitter out of nowhere? Holy shit! Yeah, against I mean, a good team, a team that shouldn't be no hit. A team that should not. I was stunned <laughs> to see to see that box score. This is the type of thing that we're talking about, though, for the rolling the dice late in the season fantasy on a guy showing up. I mean, what if what if you had paid the one dollar to get him in TGFBI? Yeah, and then I mean that's huge. That's a huge boost. <laughs> but it shows you the level the level of uh, ability that, that a lot of these pitchers have, and they come up. You know, some of these pitchers, they come up and they will be the uh, flame out who will have an amazing first couple weeks. And then they'll then they'll be the they'll be the scouting report on them. That So I think I think that's exactly right. There is something about the scouting report. But if you got them good for a couple weeks, <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. 
Go for, Go for it. it. Yeah. That's that's exactly that's exactly the kind of lightning in the bottle that you want to catch in a full season roto fantasy at the end when other people have stopped paying attention. Well, but a no hitter is almost like too too perfect because you have a no hitter <laughs> and then the next the next game they get walloped. That's almost yeah. every no hitter. How many, I mean, well, it's true. I mean, he probably threw a good number of pitches. Unlike uh, unlike who threw the who threw the eighty eight pitch Maddox this week. Oh, I can't. I, I don't. Who was that? It was Wainwright. Adam Wainwright threw an eighty-eight pitch Maddox this week out of nowhere. Also out of nowhere. Just crazy pitching stuff this week. But I think I think we got to watch out. You know, we need to keep an eye out for other opportunities like spot starts. I mean, obviously you are. You've got a you've got a Red Sox player coming up for a spot start this week that I think you're banking on him throwing a no hitter, right? Dude, I, Tanner Hawk is. Awesome. And now that he has like his prototype playing again with Chris Sale right there. <laughs> yep. So I, I was thinking I was thinking about this. I mean, after I saw your pickup and after I saw Gilbert's no hitter, like like yeah, we should be I gotta try and be capturing more of this more of the these call ups, just so much success in their first week in September, in August, September. Yeah. That's my that's my new TGFBI strategy going to close the season. <laughs> yeah, that should be your TGFBI strategy. Might as well. Okay, let's briefly recap. Uh, EPL is back. Feels pretty good. Felt pretty enjoyable to watch. We actually did well um, in our in our first round of predictions. So we may Feeling as well good. come Feeling back from really more, right? good about the uh, end of season ones too. <laughs> Yeah, me, me too. We may as well come back for more. So Chelsea, Leicester, Liverpool, West Ham, we did well. Um, some interesting stuff coming up this week, I think. I might pull for Chelsea, Tottenham, Man U. You're going to do the Man U? You want to think that's a... Okay. Ooh, that's, that's straight up. That's all Sunday matches. Do we think... Nah, just then we just have to pay attention to it one day. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't like Leeds Everton. That's a stay away. I don't like Brighton Watford. Although maybe Brighton can beat Watford. Maybe. I, d- I mean Villa Newcastle. That's a aggressive stay away. <laughs> and Liverpool Burnley Man City Norwich just don't excite me. Why ten p for a ten pound bet doesn't? Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's call it. Let's call it for Chelsea Tottenham. Man, you see how we do. This week, we are stunningly facing each other in a playoff matchup in our head-to-head league. It's a one-week playoff matchup, so we thought we would do a little bit of how should one go about evaluating a what is a must-win, loser-goes-home, head-to-head matchup evaluation. You proposed a couple things. I put together a couple numbers, lots of tables here. So let's do some analysis. Sure. You, you actually had a really nice motivation, which was you texted me what I'd really like to say is what Sigma outcome would you need in order to, in order for one of us to win? So I think right. for the most part, for a lot of these categories, one of us is more favored over the other. Um, there's some, some obvious ones. So let's take, for example, saves. you will beat me in saves. Well, well, okay. Some, there's one category that you're not contesting. This is a 10 <laughs> category, a basic 10 category. There's one category they're not contesting, but an interesting example is, Stolen bases. Stolen so bases will be in an average week, you are going to get in the the mode that I developed here: five point eight plus minus two point four. Yep. I'm going to get three plus minus one point seven. So with a one sigma outcome, me plus one sigma, you minus one sigma, 
I could win it. Yeah, yeah. But that's really but it requires thing. one sigma, you know, both ways. So the overlap is actually pretty small <laughs> in these distributions. Right. I love I love when when my statistical brain is working and I can see the 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 curves of it, the normal curve. That's, I mean, that, that's exactly what you should be picturing here, right? It's like it's two curves that you can slide relative to each other and change their width. And then it's a question of how much of those, how much of those curves overlap. Right. But even if, even if I'm at a negative one sigma outcome, if I don't, if I do poorly to like an, an average amount and you do your, you just do your thing, I'll still probably beat you. Exactly. Exactly. So that one is... That's a surprise. That's a large gap in the sense that we probably want to define that as like a, a two sigma gap because <laughs> it, yeah. it basically has to be a two sigma outcome one way or overall. another. Yeah, overall in order for in order for something to happen. But then are we're supposed to which one are we supposed to tie in that I looked at? Is it um, RBIs? RBIs. RBIs. We will tie. Dead on. Dead on. And so our, I, I, how is our sigma as well? So we have the same sigma as well. Yeah, because because it's it's the predicted total number. Because uh, for each for each guy, the numbers just work out the same when you add them when we add them all together. It was really stunning to me that that that, that works out. So I I actually did this on a I didn't do aggregates in the sense that I didn't look at all sixteen of our weeks and then ask and then make a distribution from that. Yeah, I actually started from the players that I think are going to be in our lineups and used that to accumulate the statistics. It both makes it makes it harder, but it makes sense. It, Cause then you're, you're not adding in some of the gray area of like, well, I could have changed my strategy over the years and injuries will change your strategy. And then you're looking at a disaggregate. You're disaggregating the, the, the work and then you're aggregating it back up, which I think yeah. does. So I, I will say, you can see, the reason that I gave you the list of all the players that went into the assumption is because I did end up having to assume a little bit about who is actually going to be in the lineup. So yeah. I actually think that from your hitters, you actually have a little bit more of an advantage than shows up on paper because of, you have a couple extra games, which I tried. I did try to normalize out, so I weighted guys that had extra games. Um, but you're able to shuffle you're able to shuffle in more guys than I am. But does that even out because I have three Padres that are all playing in cores this week? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, right, right. So there there's some interesting so I you know this this is admittedly a relatively simple set of assumptions that went into this. But I think the framework is fairly legit. Oh I think that's I think it is. It's exactly right. And it's exactly what I think someone going into the playoffs needs to be thinking to themselves, like, okay, what in a head-to-head sense, um, in a head-to-head league, like, okay, so what am I expected to get from each in each one of my stats from my my team? Okay, so you're saying for you, you're gonna probably get 10.9 home runs, 35.6 RBIs, 34.6 runs, and three stolen bases in on the hitting side. Okay. That's it's helpful. That's that's what your you. That's not your target, but that's what you have historically gotten. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, as as uh, Nate Silver would point out, you never you never actually hit the ex- exactly on your forecast, right? Right. So you we have a 
what is the um you're calling it e uh, underscore home runs which would be the the sigma it would sigma outcome like within this distribution around that forecasted number you're supposed to expect expect it i guess is what you're saying yeah um 3.3 sigma on your home runs so you could get anywhere from uh 14.2 as is my quick math at very early in the morning working <laughs> Down to 7.7. So in, assuming yeah. eight, 8 to 14 home runs, anywhere in that range. And then mine, uh, I blow you away on home runs <laughs> with 11. <laughs> Point one more expected. Yeah, this, this all squares with what I feel, like looking at my team. You know, I've had weeks where I got 8. I've had weeks where I got 14. So <laughs> I feel like, okay. This, this is a reasonable range. Yeah. But the fact that our means are basically identical means that that category is a crapshoot for us. Yeah, it's all the statistical variation this week. There's yeah. no, I don't have an advantage, you don't have an advantage. It's all about the variation that you'll see week to week. Is, so it doesn't matter. But there are categories where you have a real advantage and it's worth knowing how big that advantage is. Like for instance, I'm, we talked about stolen bases, right? That's a big gap. Yeah. We talked about we runs would be the next one where we're basically within one sigma. Like you're half a sigma too low, I'm half a sigma too high, and I can beat you. you but it. you have the advantage. Right. And then the yeah. same thing is true for batting average. Batting average, yeah. So I overall though, it's yeah, you have you have the batting average edge. No, you have the batting average edge. Oh, I do. Okay. But yeah, so the hidden categories I I, I have a bit of an edge here. I should in theory, I should win three. It should be like three two. But then on the pitching side, <laughs> <laughs> the pitching the pitching side is very interesting. It's and I I tried to take into account the pickups that we both had yesterday. <laughs> so this was this was a quick re analysis rerun of this. And I tried I did fold in the expected number of starts. So one thing that'll be interesting is looking after today. <laughs> And tomorrow, when we both have our first round of, of starts, to see if guys are on track. Because for you to surpass me in, in strikeouts, you basically need Garrett Cole to get eight and a half strikeouts today. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's all about the number of starts that I get. Unfortunately, I'm very tied to the innings. My strikeouts are very tied to the innings pitch. Mornings pitched, more strikeouts for me, unfortunately. Uh, I don't think that that's quite the case with you because you've got a couple of guys who get, have kicker nines and are really good. But also, a couple of the pitchers, these pitchers that I have, could, in theory, get more multiple starts. Tanner Hawk could, could end up being, could stay with the team yep. and so then could they're... get them out of, out of the bullpen. Yep. So... Or could get another start. But he basically need to do a Taylor Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, I did assume I did assume one start for Tanner Hawk uh, this week. I gave you Tyler. Yeah, I gave you Tyler Taylor. You know, I I've already <laughs> demonstrated that I I don't tell the difference with the Rogers between those. Uh, I gave you the two starts for Burns, Cole, Hernandez, Jax. Yeah. Um, and I gave myself the two starts for Gossman, Ivaldi, Vladimir Gutierrez. I think so. I mean, 
I would say that we're basically inverted here that the relative to the hitting where when yeah. you run down this, I have the edge probably three two in this. The formal you probably edge, have the you probably have the edge like a three one one. Well, but I think that's probably true on the hitting side too. You think it's more like that? Yeah. I think it's more like a three one one for you. So I mean, we come up basically even on K's, which means it's going to be totally start dominated. And yeah. I think, of course, I I think overall, if we're talking about balancing on pitching and hitting, that I'm in a much worse position because pitching has so much more variance. It does. Like no, it does. It does. When you depend in a head-to-head on your on your pitching, then you are really depending that the world is going to be sane. And that's why our league new playoffs so early was to try to remove some of the variance of, of, of teams, you know, aligning for the playoffs. Well, I mean, this variance goes way down if this was suddenly a two-week matchup. But this is a one-week matchup. Right. So, so we're sitting on, on all this variance where I think over the course of... So I have a 0.3 advantage over you in ERA, which over the season is pretty big deal. But in the course of a given week, that's nothing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no. That's like, that's so far within the noise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, so it's a half sigma or it's a one sigma outcome that I would be able to um, be able to beat you in ERA. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, whips basically the same. I think wins is very interesting because we're at basically the one sigma matchup at the sort of at the one sigma line right there. So that and, that's going to be the one. So if when when you beat me in stolen bases and I beat you in wins, yeah. we're going to be like this. <laughs> who, who cares? Right. I I mean, I think these looking after doing this analysis, I feel like the error bars are broad enough that I won't be surprised. But any one thing. I think this is very helpful. It was also very helpful for me to disaggregate the individual players in the sense that I now see what contribution I expect from individual players. And since it's a daily head-to-head, I can possibly change my strategy. Like, I know that if I'm not competing in stolen bases on Wednesday, that I shouldn't waste any more time trying to accumulate stolen bases. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah you just have to... <laughs> you'll have to realize, like, okay, this is not... This is not my category. Where who even gets stolen bases for you? Because we're so close on home runs. Yeah. Like if if stolen bases is going south, I should wait as much as I can into into getting above that sigma on home runs. The same thing's true for RBIs. The one that I always find difficult is is batting average. When you have because it's easy when you're out on batting average when it's like you have a 240 average and they have it like a 320 and you're like I'm not gonna catch up so I can I don't I don't care if Brantley plays yeah that that's the sort of sort of decision making that you can do but really there aren't that many moves that that really help you especially if it's like if, if someone is at 290 and you're 280 what well, what, what do you do? You just you kind of that, play it out, right? You think that, but I ran the numbers with Josh Bell in my lineup versus Adam Frazier in my lineup, and it was a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> it was like five batting average points. because cause, So the reason that this is weighted batting average is because I weighted by expected plate appearances for an individual guy. So you can't just go down the list and average everyone on your team's batting average because... Adam Frazier is going to get more at bats than Josh Bell, 
for instance. Right. Because just because of where he bats in the order. And, you know, the same thing is true. The same thing is true on the list. So I tried to wait for that. But even still, I don't know if you notice this. I mean, our sigmas on the batting average are 25 points. Huge. I mean, that's, that's huge. But that also that also makes sense, right? Because I've had weeks where I hit 240. And I've had weeks where I hit 290. Yeah, no, I know. I, I know. I felt that the whole, I, I thought that I was going to have a really good batting average team, but it hasn't been. And then you look, and then I look at my team across my team. It's like the batting averages are great. What the heck? It's mismanagement. I, I know. No, it's, it's yeah, mismanagement. I, it's tough. I think basically what I learned from this exercise is, well, I learned, I learned that explicitly about our matchup that we're quite close, but I also learned a bunch of useful tools for thinking about how to approach a head-to-head matchup, especially in a, you know, must-win week. Yeah. And I'm going to be keeping very close eye on, because I have to win on the pitching side, I'll be keeping very close eye on whether my guys are meeting their benchmarks and what it means if they're not meeting their benchmarks <laughs> and what when I should <laughs> when I should pull the plug to try and make sure that I get those three wins on the on the the pitching side yeah i still think our most likely single most likely outcome is a five five split with sweeps on the two category on the two sides that would like be a, hilarious a sweep and on the pitching and a sweep on the hitting i think that's a possible thing here given yeah given this I, analysis. my bet is it's, my bet is gonna be five four one no, but you're gonna get you're, you're gonna win this five four one okay i don't i mean the numbers don't bear that out if you ran this just repeatedly the numbers I, give you an advantage more weeks than not. I mean, I, I, but I, sure, my guess is going to be five four one. Do you get a guess a five five, or you, you, where do you grab it? That's if I grab if I grab two pitching categories, you're probably a goner. I think if you grab two pitching categories, I it'll it'll be dangerous unless I get out to a big home run cores home run lead. Yeah. Oh, that could happen. I have four players playing three games this week in course. <laughs> so, but I think, I also think that we're going to know by Thursday what direction this is going. Most definitely. I don't oh, think this is, I don't think this is a nail biter week. I think this is a, this is a relatively early set. And I'm not going to have, I'm going to have, yeah, we're going to know going into our only ad drops, whether or not we, we can, whether or not we're probably going to win. Okay, I think that about brings us to the review session. Jonathan VR. I would like to say that I have been in... I am a Jonathan VR hipster and that I was in on him early. Well, this has been the problem with his career is that I, you go in, you go out. He He's good one year and then he's bad the next year. He's a good every other kind of guy. Well, he's fine at everything now except his stolen bases are just kind of falling off. Not there. They're just not there. And I mean, I'm looking at his 2016 stats and that was the value. Okay, sorry. 2021 stats yeah, for Jonathan VR. Not playing regularly. Don't love that. Because <laughs> and it's never good when at the trade deadline your team explicitly trades for your position. <laughs> 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 so the Mets, of course, traded for Javier Baez, but he is Jonathan VR is nominally the shortstop for the Mets. He's played in 98 games this year, 30, 332 plate appearances, 43 runs, 29 RBIs, who cares? 13 home runs, a little surprising. 
Uh, he's got nine stolen bases and a 246 average. He's he's actually getting more walks. I mean, you can see that his his major year of value that he's still riding out in the minds of people is that 2016 year in Milwaukee when he steals 62 bases, which is insane. Yep. And he it's because he got on base so many times. I mean, he got 79 walks during that year. I mean, that's an incredible year. And Yeah, that's that's where he brings value. I mean, two he hit 280 OVP yeah. of 369. That's he is valuable when he's on the ba- on the base pass. I love guys like that who may wreak havoc yeah. once they they get on base. Well, they do something when they're there. Uh, only ninety two runs that year is just which is wild. Um, and nineteen of those came from home runs. It's, he was not really effective in scoring runs, but he he got out, he got got up there. Yeah, I mean he he was more successful. I don't know. I think people would say that he was more successful during that 2019 Baltimore season where yeah. he played in every game. He scores 111 runs for them. He steals 40 bases, which, you know, down from 62, but 40 bases is still still incredible. Walks a little bit less. Um, averages a little bit worse. But I mean, I think... Some more home runs, though, because he was in Baltimore. I mean, that was perfect for him because who else yeah. was going to play? He, of course, who else is going to bat first or second? on that team. And I guess, I guess that was his main issue with 2020 where he bounced between, well, every year that he's bounced between teams. I mean, so he, 2020, he was on the Marlins and then he was on the Blue Jays and now he's on the Mets this year and he is playing mostly third base, but I, yeah, there, I don't know. The, the Mets don't seem to be giving him the best. The Mets don't seem to be giving him the best looks. I guess my question is, is this the Mets not giving him the best looks, or is Jonathan VR actually falling off? Maybe he's every maybe he's an every three year guy. <laughs> Ooh, very rare. Very so rare. next year is going to be his year. Uh yeah, I think it's it it's opportunity is huge. I mean, there's some players that play better when they're playing every single day. There's some uh, hitters that don't don't like. Um, there's some hitters that don't like not playing in the field because they, they lose some rhythm. So I think he might be one of those guys. I will say looking at his percentile rankings hits the ball surprisingly hard. I mean, he doesn't look like it when you watch it. I mean, we've seen Jonathan VR for years <laughs> at this point, right? I mean, we, yeah. I think, I think you, you saw him more for his true integrated value. And I saw him for his 2016 value. So then when I kept him in, you know, was really hoping for a 2017 that looked like 2016 and he didn't yeah. beat it. You weren't surprised. And I was like despondent, <laughs> but I, I think, Oh yeah. I remember that. But part of what you had always said, I, I mean, this is, this is one of the, the original ones that I remember you being like, you know, just look at the guy. He doesn't seem like <laughs> he doesn't look like he's doing it that like he should be that 2016 guy. No, you got it. Yeah. And that's one of the pieces why we started doing these review sessions is because it's like to actually watch the player you get this better sense of like, oh, he's, how is he doing this? How is he doing this statistically? And, and you sort of see some of his quirk, like the, uh, Isaiah kind of falafel, falafel, whatever. Um, you just, you're like, oh, what a great start to the year. And you watch him play. You're like, wow, that's like the third batting stance that I've seen here. That's a little (laughs) concerning. Um, maybe has he figured it out now or, is he, is he just never yeah. going to really quite get the 
get everything together. And I, I think, you know, with, with watching Jonathan VR, you can see it in this baseball savant, but you can see it when you watch a game. He's not as fast. No. It, I, it was always kind of surprising that he was a stolen base guy. And the other thing that I know that you don't like is that he's a switch hitter. Well, I, you know, I like switch hitters, but I think that there's certain players that would be better if, if they're able to, instead of just trying to get contact and get on base to just pick a side of the plate. But I guess, I guess VR would say, well, look at my OPS <laughs> or look at my, look at my on base, right? Like, no, so he's someone who I get it. OBP, I actually yeah. get it with, I think that it's a good, good idea for him because okay. he's, he's savvy and able to get on base. His batting at, his batting average for balls in play is anomalous and it always has been anomalous. Mm. So that it's good for him to try because he's, I don't think that he's really going to be a threat to hit a ton of home runs either or get a bunch of doubles. No, I mean that, that year in 2019 was, was anomalous and honestly made me concerned. Like, why is he hitting the weight room so hard? Like I would like you to, I'd like you to steal more bases, please. (laughs) Like no one's yeah. no one's drafting Jonathan VR for his power. It's like a a bonus when he gets some home runs. Yeah, and you're kind of you're kind of seeing that in this 2021 iteration of him. But the stolen base, you're not getting the surefire stolen bases that you've got from him in previous years. So it's harder to roster him for certain. Oh yeah, if if you if he had ten more stolen bases, you'd be fine. You'd be okay with the production that he's giving. But he but he's not getting them. Right. So because he's not getting that, it's it's crazy. I mean, that 2019 year is so remarkable, and he's only removed from it. I mean, he's, it's, he's only a pandemic year removed from it. But I really think the team approach is so interesting. Like, the Mets just don't appear to be prioritizing him. No, no. So he, he needs to be on a team. He needs to be on a team where he has the opportunity. So let's see if maybe at the end... He might be a guy that, that you want to grab next year. I thought that the Mets were going to have a real opportunity for him. That's why mm-hmm. I liked your pickup of him in like T- TGFBI. Because I thought he's going to play a lot. He's yeah. going to play a lot. They're going to sign him because he's going to play a lot. And it just hasn't been quite quite the case. But maybe next year he ends up on a team that's out of it, that wants to that bat them first or second. He just kind of has, maybe he gets a little bit of his speed back and... He's only thirty-one. I think. I think he need he needs to be the best player on a bad team. Yeah. <laughs> is basically. I think fine. Arizona would be a good spot for him. <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? He would do very well in Arizona. I so I I agree with you that I think his value next year is going to be location dependent. Like we want to see where he's going to be next year before we really say anything about him um, value wise. This year, I don't think it's. You know, don't think there's much to worry about or much to think about with him. All right, who are we going to do next week? Finally, we are going to talk about Jorge Polanco. It would have been perfect if it was this. I was thinking thinking the exact same thing. Too bad. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, find the Z. All I've got left is, we're select to you, buddy. We're select to you, too.